this time, I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. It's been a few months, but we started the first set sermon on this. We, we looked at verses 1 through 7, and now we're going to finish out the rest of the chapter. Uh, John chapter 9. We'll be reading the, the rest of, the, the, well, the whole chapter, just for a little recap of the context. But John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Hear now the reading of God's holy inspired word. And as he passed by, he, that is Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. Another said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and and he washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things, do such signs rather? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. This man were not from God. He could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Ascends the reading of God's word. May he bless it to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks for this portion of your word in which we see the power of Christ. And may we see also the power he has over our lives and that through him we have salvation and eternal life. And we just ask that you bless Pastor Mark as he brings this word to us and that we may listen, have attentive hearts as he preaches this word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you think are life's most important questions? Will you marry me? Is it a boy or a girl? What's the prognosis? Should I stay or should I go? These are some of life's great questions, right? These are the kinds of questions that people live and die for. These are the the kinds of questions that people plan their whole lives around. These are the kinds of questions people uproot entire families to answer, but they pale in comparison to the question that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ presents us with this evening. You see, your eternal life hangs on your answer to this one question. All the answers of that previous list of important questions don't hold a candle to Jesus' question tonight. Because this world and everything in it is passing away. We'll be gone in the blink of an eye. This question is, do you believe in the Son of Man. And furthermore, how do you know that you actually believe? Brothers and sisters, Jesus healed a man born blind, and because of who he is, he is to be worshipped. To see this, we are going to be taking a brief look at the backdrop, three different ways to disbelieve, and a confession. And that's a backdrop, three different ways to disbelieve, and a confession. So with that, let's get started by quickly taking a look at the backdrop. So we have this man that has been blind from birth, who has been healed by Jesus, so the works of God might be displayed in him, as we just saw in verse 3. We discussed this a couple of months ago, and now we're seeing the effects of this healing in the broader community in verses 8 through 41. After all, as we see later in our passage, 
The healing of a man born blind is, is, is not something that happens every day. In fact, it has never happened before. You can probably imagine the buzz that this might have generated uh, around the people that, that, that have grown up around him. Knowing what we know now about how God has designed the human eye, this is even more amazing. After my first sermon uh, on this chapter, a brother came up to me and, and shared that, that studies now show that not only is it this man's eyes that are being healed, but all of those neural pathways that connect them to the brain. That is to say that even if new eyes were given to this man who was born blind, it would be for naught if all this other hardware was not fixed as well. The science behind this is amazing. This brother had a, a, had a son that had uh, difficulties with his sight. So it's with this in mind now that, that we take a look at three different ways to disbelieve. First, there is the disbelief of skepticism. Now that this man has been healed, the rumor mill is firing up. And all of this man's neighbors and, and the people who had seen him before uh, as, as a beggar are starting to ask questions. Verse 8 tells us that they say, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? These people are dumbfounded. This, this couldn't possibly be true, could it? You, you, you can see this in their response here in verse 9. Some said, it is he, and others said, no, but, but he is like him. It's, it's easier for these people to believe that this is an imposter rather than that man who was born blind. This, this man that has been healed. This is the magnitude of the miracle that Jesus has just performed. And our brother is left constantly trying to convince them. The text says, he, he kept saying, I am the man. What a strange thing to have to do. This is the, the man born blind to all of us here this evening. But these people knew him by name. They may have even took pity on him and, and threw a few denarii in the cup every now and again as he begged. But these people aren't having it. These people press on saying, then how were your eyes opened? So in verse 11, he answers them. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. This man identifies Jesus as the one who performed this miraculous healing. And then he tells them what transpired. But, but it isn't good enough for these people. So they come back to him asking, Well, where is he? And our brother doesn't know. It's not as though they, it's not enough that they have this first-hand account of what just happened. It's not enough that this guy that is in front of them is actually seeing things. They just can't bring themselves to accept what has taken place. This is a clear example of the fact that unbelief is a moral issue long before it's a rational one. This man's community is cynical. They are skeptical because they, they, they cannot wrap their heads around what is actually happening. Cynicism is the first form of disbelief that we see in our passage. In our day and age, society's priests often wear white lab coats. And doubt is cast on things like, like this miracle of Jesus, as well as his resurrection in the name of science. Now please note that I'm not bashing science here. God has given us this, this world and there are patterns in it. And we, and we need to be stewards of it, which means learning everything that we can about it. But we do so. In light of God's inerrant inspired word. 
Second, now we have the disbelief of defiance. This inquisition gets so heated that the people end up bringing our brother to the, to the Pharisees, those, those zealous Jewish religious leaders of the day, because Jesus had performed this miracle on the Sabbath day. And again, these Pharisees lay into him about how he had, been, how he had received his sight. And, and again, this man says, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. You get the sense that her brother here is getting a little bit fed up with the constant questioning as his answers become more and more abrupt and matter-of-fact as we go on. And at this, some of the Pharisees become indignant in verse 16. And they say, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. As R.C. Sproul points out in his commentary, these Pharisees added 39 extra types of work that were illegal to do on the Sabbath. And one of these was kneading dough to make bread. So these guys are, are equating Jesus' making of mud with something like this, saying, never mind that this man born blind can see. The real problem here is that Jesus mixed mud on the Sabbath. He, he, he's done work. But others among the Pharisees said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? They understood that miracles were, were actually divine attestations. Something truly amazing has happened, but these Pharisees are left wondering how, how they are going to move forward. But either way, these guys, these guys are mad. And their anger, and in their anger rather, they, they, they turn to the man born blind and they ask him, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Little farms, how would you feel if you were to be put in this position? Or better yet, how do you feel when you are put in this position? We live in a day when, when knowing how to live as a Christian is, in this world is becoming more and more challenging. We have to stand for God and, and His truth when confronted with confessing Christ in areas such as human sexuality and gender, race, and morality in general. The man born blind doesn't miss the opportunity to answer with a kind of gospel indignation of his own, though, here in verse 17, where he tersely says, He is a prophet. Our brother confessed what he knew to be true. May we all have the courage to do so when our time comes by the grace of God. But neither the testimony of this man or, or everything that, that these people held to be true about him up until this point in his life held any weight for them. Think about what this would mean for the Jewish people if this was true. If, if, if this Jesus is, is who he says he is, and life as they knew it was over. They lose their concept of a military messiah and their hope of, of the end of Roman oppression. They, they lose the law that they had built their lives around in a sense. And they lose their pride as they sought to establish their own self-righteousness. These Pharisees are defiant. They can't bring themselves to believing. So, so they grasp aimlessly for any reason that they can in order to discredit what they know to be true. Defiance is the second form of disbelief that we see in our passage this evening. We see it manifest itself in the rampant pleasure-seeking of our day. Christianity costs people their unbiblical sexual gratification. It costs them their idols. It costs them their self-righteousness. So they would rather tear down Jesus, his church, and any Christian in their way, rather than give up the lusts and passions of this present evil age. Regardless if it's true, they don't care because they want 
what they want. This brings us to our final form of disbelief in our passage this evening. The disbelief of fear. The Jews just could not believe that this man had actually been born blind and had received his sight until they called his parents here in verse 18. Now rather than trust in everything they tangibly knew about this man throughout his entire lifetime, they sequester his parents from among their ranks and they ask, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents' response is in verse 20 there. We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. This man has just endured his community, his neighbors, his religious leaders. Now he has to endure the testimony of his very own parents. And I know that some of you here this evening know exactly what that's like. It's heartbreaking. It's had to be agonizing for these parents too. As we get a little more context when we look at verses 22 and 23 where we read, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. This had to be just devastating for this family. These parents are stuck between loving and supporting their son, who has miraculously been healed by this Jesus, and everything that they hold to be dear in their religious community and the worldview that they belong to. The parents of the man born blind are fearful. They are afraid of what others will think and how they will be received. Fear is the third form of disbelief that we see in our passage this evening. And we see this today too, don't we? How many times have we cowered from praying at that business luncheon or around the, the dinner table when we have our non-Christian friends over or, or, or with our classmates around the school table at lunch? We want to be liked by our peers. We, we know all too well what this is like, much to our shame. As the onslaught continues in verse 24. They call the man born blind a second time and say to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're saying, you know, watch who you're praising here. You know, you know, we'd hate for you to be labeled a blasphemer. In his commentary on this passage, uh, one theologian says that these Pharisees are contesting that this man is surely hiding something from the world that, that would enable them to be at ease with their given. And that given is the sinfulness of Jesus truth is that these Pharisees will accept any explanation rather than the obvious one. And what is this man's response? He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He says, look, I'm not saying anything other than the facts. I was blind, all this stuff happened, and now I can see. He's simply connecting the dots, and the truth is infuriating. To these Pharisees. As if they, they didn't get it the first few times, these Jewish leaders ask again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And the man fires back, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? He's not backing down, he's even going on the offensive here. 
The Pharisees are not particularly pleased with this. And they come back with, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as far as this man, we do not know where he comes from. Pharisees are saying, aha! You know, the the Moses trump card has come out and the gauntlet has been thrown. How could this man born blind possibly trump Moses? Moses, after all, is the paradigm prophet of the Old Testament. The man with whom God spoke face to face with as a friend. The one who God gave the Ten Commandments to. And the one who led Israel to the promised land. These Pharisees are thinking, checkmate. This doesn't even phase our brother here. He expertly points out the massive hole in their argument by saying, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The Pharisees admit that they don't know where Jesus comes from, and the man born blind tears their argument apart. Our brother has experienced the miraculous saving work of Jesus Christ, and he can't help but stand for him. These these Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of God's chosen people, men who had the word of God, can't see who this Jesus is, but this man knows And you can see that they are at a complete loss because they resort to to, to petty personal attacks in the following verse. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. We can connect the dots in our own lives, can't we? Think of all the wonderful testimonies we are able to witness as a body from, from new members and professions of faith that we just witnessed. These are supernatural evidences of God's work in the lives of Christ's church, right here at Little Farms. When we think of all the sin and depravity Jesus has delivered us from before a holy God, it gives us both the ability and the desire to to proclaim it, as fallen and as imperfect as we are. If the gospel is true, brothers and sisters, how dare we keep it hidden? And this brings us to our final point this evening. The confession. As we look at verse 35, we see Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now don't read over this too quickly. Jesus, the Son of Man, and one more important than Moses, hears about this believer's plight, and he seeks him out. And when he approaches this man born blind, Jesus asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? What is the significance of this title, the Son of Man? While some commentators, including Calvin, equate this with the Son of God, and some of the Greek manuscripts even show this rendering, but across all the manuscripts, the better rendering is the Son of Man. Brothers and sisters, this is a reference to Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, where we read, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days 
and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So think of the perceived incongruity here. To, to, to the Pharisees, Jesus is a carpenter from Nazareth. He's not educated as they thought he should have been educated. He was not beautiful like they thought he should have been beautiful. If we look at places like Isaiah 53. And he was not the militaristic Messiah that they were hoping for. But Jesus is asking this man. He's asking this man who was born blind, who has now received sight. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man born blind answers, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? This man has been defending Jesus this whole time, even claiming to be his disciple. And he asks for one more clarification. And to this, Jesus replies, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. This man born blind has seen very little in his lifetime, but the Son of Man is one of the people he has seen. And to this, the man born blind says in verse 38, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped. Our Jesus is the Son of Man. And this man knew it because he had experienced Jesus' power in this miraculous healing. The objective reality of, of this gospel event is what anchors this man born blind's faith. Just as the historical reality of the cross in Jesus' resurrection anchors ours. Beloved, when you really have your eyes open to the truth of Jesus by the Holy Spirit and, and see the weight of your sin before a holy and almighty and just God, you will worship Jesus Christ, this Son of Man, who is better than Moses. He's God incarnate who came down, who lived the perfect life according to the law, the, the, the life that we could not live. He, he died the death that we deserved on the cross. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven in order that we would have salvation from our sin and have eternal life with him forever in paradise. And he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. When you know this, you can't help but worship this Jesus. The question is, for all of us, are you worshiping Jesus today or are you just going through the motions of an empty Christianity? To worship Christ is, is to acknowledge his lordship over all of creation and trust in nothing but him for your eternal salvation. The Pharisees knew the law backwards and forwards and even they didn't believe. Verses 39 through 41 state this clearly when we read, Jesus said, for, for judgment I came to the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, We see your guilt remains. The stark reality of our passage here this evening is that vain platitudes and an intellectual assent are just different forms of unbelief. The true, true belief in Jesus looks like worship. The man born blind experienced what Jesus did in, in his life and, and by God's grace believed as is evidenced by his worship. 
Now, as believers, we, we can also struggle with our assurance at times. We, we need to be presented with the gospel truth over and over again. We're sinners. We, we, we can't find ourselves, I mean, rather, we can find ourselves asking, how can I, even I, be right before a holy God? If we're honest, we know all the evidence that could be laid against us. We have firsthand experience of it. We ask if, if this is the real deal, but the truth is right there before our eyes in the pages of Scripture. It's attested to by the Holy Spirit, and it's backed up with historical fact. Maybe you're visiting this church for the first time and, and have been wondering what this Christianity stuff is all about. And you're asking yourself, how can any of this possibly be true? How, how could I possibly be forgiven for the things that I've done in the past, for the things that I've said, for the things that I've even thought? Or the things that I'll even do, think, and say after attending this very worship service. Maybe you've been here for years. And you're asking yourself the same questions. The answer is Jesus, the Son of Man. Well, if you have any questions, please feel free to talk to myself or any of the brothers and sisters here. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. But seek help with urgency because we're not promised tomorrow. Friend and love, you have been presented with the glorious truth of the gospel, the, the truth about Jesus Christ and his saving work, and you can no longer claim ignorance. Will you continue to walk in a cynical, defiant, or fearful disbelief as one who is blind? Will your guilt remain? Or by God's grace, will you too turn to Jesus Christ and worship the Son of Man as the man born blind did in our passage this evening. Know Jesus. Know his peace. And may we all be so bold as to proclaim him to others when our time comes to. May God grant it. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for sending us your son, Jesus Christ, the son of man. That we could be miraculously healed from our sin we praise you that, that he is the light of the world and yet seeks us out by the Holy Spirit. For apart from you, we, we are dead. Forgive us for our battles with disbelief. Forgive us for our skepticism, for our defiance and for our fear in light of what, what has been revealed in your inerrant inspired word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the perfect life that he lived in his mighty works. That by his blood, even we have the right to be called your children. Help us to worship him in the face of disbelief. And may we always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in him. Help us to boldly proclaim salvation in him. We ask this now in Jesus' name, that name that is above every other name. By the power of your Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen.